Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How you doing, Derek? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. There's somebody else on the line with us tonight. Yes. Our regular famous guy from down the States. The guy that likes to hack off his fingers, cut himself. Wait, is, is sprained a thumb, right? Or sprained like a thumb. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, yeah. sprained an eye. Our foreign correspondent. John, John Van, Van Berger. How you doing, John? I'm doing okay, gentlemen. How are you? Not too shabby. You're in a bit of a weird spot tonight. You're in a, you're down in the States in a, I want to say bed and breakfast, not a bed and breakfast. A, yeah. Uh, is it a yeah. bed and breakfast? Yeah. It's it's like a, you know, a weird Airbnb bed and breakfast kind of thing in Conway, New Hampshire. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah so we're in the same time zone right now. Awesome. There's a change. Yeah. Huh? That's a change. So you cross state lines. Do you have to report in when you cross state lines? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but uh, they're, Not still anymore. Stories, they're still telling stories about what you did in the presidential range out here, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was epic. It was epic. <laughs> uh, so what's new this week, Derek? Anything? Um, well, we both have something in common right now. We both are finally have working furnaces uh, mine always worked but uh, <laughs> but, uh <laughs> yes we are actually recording a night later than we usually do because i got home from work yesterday came downstairs to start setting everything up from the for the recording and my furnace started making a really weird noise and then it stopped and magically enough so did the furnace <laughs> and the temperature went down, down, down. How down, low did it go? Down. 14 degrees Celsius, which That's is 56 Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, come on. Toughen up. <laughs> oh, I didn't care. It's a, you know, wife and kids say, you know, I was ready to bring out, break out the winter tent stove. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't too bad, but uh, they were calling for uh, colder temps coming. So yeah. you're like, uh and uh, we already had, I was already taking a half a day off to, we were checking out, um, uh, going to a university. My daughter's been offered a uh, sort of a scholarship thing to go for her master's. So we had that, I had to do already. And then I had to call my boss and say, well, you know how it's taken a half a day off? I'm just taking the whole day off because my furnace decided to get in on the action. So they came up first thing this morning and I told the guy what it was over the phone last night. And he goes, okay. So he came out and go, yeah, that's what it is. And. Boom, boom, put, took out the old part, put in the new part. And now my furnace works nice. It's quiet. It's blowing out the heat like it's supposed to. And and I get awesome. the pleasure of being here two nights in one week. Two nights in a row. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all that's new to you? Well, nothing changes in my life. It's fall. It's winter almost. Yeah. We do have snow. I I, uh, I got to get my winter tires in the car and my wife's car and my mother-in-law's car. That's going to be this weekend. We had the first big snowfall. Yeah. 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 How, how joyful that was. It's November and we got our first snowfall and everybody's like, it's too early. And I'm thinking, welcome to Canada. First day here? <laughs> oh my God. But normally, uh, well, I, I see back in 2002... 2004, there was a lot of snow. We get often got snow in, in November. But in the last 10 years, usually we would, uh, wouldn't get snow until almost January. Yeah. So you get used to that. It's like, hey, this global warming thing is kind of cool. Yeah. So it was, uh, I you know, the last, uh, I think in the last three years, I only had to shovel my driveway each winter, three times per winter. 
Last year, I did it just for fun. There wasn't much snow, and it's like, hey, I want to shovel the driveway. There's not enough to shovel, but make I mean, it look like I'm getting some exercise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. So that's kind of interesting that uh, maybe we're getting uh, going to have a nice decent winter, get lots of skiing in, and well, a lot you know, of winter camping. I'm I'm kind of excited. This all this extra snow. That's the problem is if you've got to wait till the new year to get snow. You you're kind of done. Your, that's you're half kinda, your winter done by then. Yeah, you're kind of done with winter if it yeah. takes that long. You know, yeah, sure, it's cold and <clears throat> it looks like winter, but it's like a brown grass burn, yeah, yeah, yucky yeah. winter. Yeah. No snow, no ice skating outdoors or, or anything, you know, no snowshoeing, no skiing, unless you go way up north. And I didn't get my last lawn mowing. Like the, my, uh, I can almost braid my lawn, the grass is so long. So as soon as the snow's gone, I got to mow my lawn before it goes to bed for the winter. Well, we did not mow our lawn for the last one and- all the leaves that were on our lawn. All the leaves are brown. And the sky is gray. <laughs> <laughs> the mamas and the papas broke out. Yes. Uh, the leaves that are all over our, our lawn, of course, we're sitting with my son and going, oh, what do you mean I got to rake them up? I said, well, you don't have to rake them all up. So he's like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? What's, what's going on here? <laughs> this one's sort of test. Because they say, leave the leaves yep. on your lawn over the winter. Because that helps the bugs and little whatever's underneath. It gives them shelter, gives them food, gives them place to stay, protects them from the snow or, I don't know, some scientifically smartical particle thing. <laughs> um, so it's like we, we got up like 80% of the leaves and left 20% down. because And we didn't mow our lawn, left that long as well, just for the, uh, the little critters. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that makes a difference in the spring because there's a few spots in our lawn that are absolute, ugh, they just, <laughs> yeah, garbage. And, uh, we, we took out our shed this year. Oh yeah. And I noticed that, uh, well, we, it was a bit of a problem taking it. It's one of those old metal sheds and the one apple tree was always leaning on it. So now and what's the apples you're going to lean on? I'm finding that it's gone. The apple tree is leaning more. <laughs> so come spring, that apple tree's going, unfortunately. Uh, because you can see the root, the big root coming out to the one side is pushing up, coming out of the ground. So that whole apple tree is now slowly falling over, over the, since the spring. Hey, John. Yeah. Is he boring you as much as he's boring me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you got nothing going on in your life, buddy. <laughs> I got, I got no comment. I'm just sitting here at, the, at my remote location. <laughs> if anybody's looking for a job, Derek's is coming up. Uh, <laughs> um, nothing new with you, John, or what? What's happening with you? Yeah, why I, are um, you in North Conway or in Conway or wherever? Uh, yeah, I'm in Con Conway, New Hampshire. I did a uh, presentation on the Yukon journey last night. Um, at the Conway Public Library, which is it's this really cool old building. And uh, I used to teach a few towns away from here. And so I, I actually used to come up here and uh, like grade papers and everything, be up here on the weekend. It was just kind of a cool space. And, you know, you didn't have to worry about your students or any of their parents running into you. And <laughs> uh, so it was cool. We had a um, little under 30 people, I think, show up. We, it was like the uh, they were so worried about the weather out here. Oh, this... And this is coming down from Canada and it's going to be terrible and snow, you know, and it's like, I mean, 
it was it was fine. I think it was perfectly fine. But you know, given the kind of the news, um, the fear mongering, uh, I was pretty pleased with the turnout and uh, had some fun people show. I had a lot of my old colleagues show up. Um, Mark Johnson showed up, who was a guy I paddled with uh, on my first 500 mile run on the Yukon. Right. And uh, so that was kind of nice. And I had uh, I had a former student come up, which was especially cool given what we're doing with the outdoor kind because uh, I had him when he was a sophomore and all he wanted to do was be a fireman that was it he comes from uh, his name's Nick Marsh and he comes from a family of first responders and just a a really nice kid and uh, since I left New Hampshire he's become a first responder he went and studied uh, engine repair so like if he his I mean talk about like thinking down the road he's like if i ever get injured on the job i've got this i can fall back on and uh so it was a really good guy really funny and it was it was just kind of cool to you know to have this group of people there cool yeah it was a lot of fun there were the other thing that was especially cool with this and i didn't know if this was going to happen or not there were two people in the audience from the white mountain uh, swift water rescue team and the yukon journey gave funds to this organization because they do a lot of really good work here in New Hampshire. And so uh, Jake Reich, who's their VP and one of the founders of the group, and Austin Hart, uh, another member of the group, showed up. So it was really cool to have them there because it it made it very real and and very local. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things, too, where you get together. We got together and had a beverage after the presentation and and, uh, you know, just talking a little bit about what they do and then even had coffee this morning and, and um, hearing they've teamed up with because, you know, the, the Conway, North Conway area and the White Mountains and then the, these incredible rivers to go uh, do some whitewater paddling on and everything. They had one rescue in which they actually had to team up with one of the mountain rescues to be able to get in across a class five stream to reach a uh, paddler who was stranded. And then the mountain rescue hooked up um, like a pulley system so they could get that person out and across. And uh, both organizations won an award for the rescue. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. uh yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was, you know, we got to chat a little bit about those kinds of things and it made us feel good because you know, when you, we knew they were a good group, right? But right. Uh, you hear those kinds of things. It's like, yeah, that donation went to a really good organization. Well, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's good to hear. And it was, it was kind of fun to, you know, have a beverage afterwards and, and, uh, you know, you're sitting there with one of your former students, which feels a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, at one point, because there were a couple other teachers there of, of his too. And I leaned over, I said, is this kind of weird to you? He's like, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> they got so old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did so, you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he was, he was a gentleman and didn't matter or, you know, mention how old I look these days. So I, I was appreciative of that. <laughs> well, let us tell you how old you look. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, what, that's what, that's what you guys are for. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, glad that that worked out for you, man. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's it. You know, it's just nice to be in this area. I know Derek was down here, and um, you know, with his uh, presidential traverse, right? 
That was that was just this last winter, right, Derek? It was. It was. I was down in Adirond- Adirondacks in late January, and then in February I was in uh, White Mountains, Mount Washington area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. There was a <laughs> when I was walking through the library, there was a book there. It reminded me of you, though. It was called Not Without Peril. 150 years of misadventure on the presidential range of New Hampshire. I was looking at that book. I almost bought it while I was at the uh, at the visitor center there near the uh, in the White Mountains, and it was there's there's been so many. Uh, I think there's 164 deaths on Mount Washington or on that range. Yeah. Uh, since well, record keeping. Is that the book you were reading before you? did it or after you did it and said i'm glad i yeah after you did it and said no that was about a oh i can't remember i said i would i'm glad i didn't read this before i went up yes so it was it uh, wasn't the same book no it was a different the 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 one that i read was about a woman who went up and uh very athletic she's uh she's doing she does a lot of climbs like that but the mount washington has uh is infamous for how the storms kind of blow in and like super highest winds recorded winds in the world right well yeah. actually north america it might be the world i'm not sure but it's uh it's just wicked weather up there so <laughs> when when i came back from the trip then i read the book and it's like oh <laughs> it <can> get bad <laughs> up there <laughs> and it was pretty bad when we we're up there on our trip don't buy this book and leave it on the coffee table for the wife to read <laughs> <laughs> yeah no doubt, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well Talking about stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good segue. <laughs> and ways to injure yourself. Yeah, yeah. So we got our first winter storm of the year. Uh, the north, uh, up north here is getting snow and ice and stuff like that. And everybody's, yeah, the paddling season's done, that sort of thing. Unless you're checking out ski hill paddling on the playboats. Mm-hmm. We posted, I posted a video on our Facebook page. We've talked about this last yes. year. And I'm on my search for uh, a used small kayak that's pretty much non-water floatable nowadays. And we're going to do this on sand dunes at one time. We, one yeah, we're, but we're going to do it on snow Snow this summer, this, this summer, this winter. Uh, yeah, go to our Facebook page. We, po- we posted a video there. And I don't know that we've got big enough hills around here to do it. And even if we did, I don't know if they'd give us permission, some of the ski hills. I know there's some hills around <laughs> yeah. that we could use, you know, where the kids go tobogganing and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. It'll be a good spot to uh, to learn. Just got to find the right spot. Yeah. Uh, but Without my trees, big thing is- No trees. Avoid trees. Well, you oh, know- trees yeah, are a bad thing. I think thing. we could steer around them, though. It is a kayak. Well, yeah, but it's on ice and <laughs> that's, snow. That's what that yeah. rudder's for, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not going to be a rudder. Yeah, it'll be a playboat. Um, I think if anything, the ski hills would have an issue with, now the ones I've seen and the one I posted, there's, it's not actually a paddle he's using. It's like the paddle without the blades. So you're pushing this pole mm-hmm. into the ski hill and it's going to leave like a groove and. So do skis. Not like that though. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, I think it'd be fine. Yeah. Okay. That's why they groom the hill. Yeah, maybe. So. Thinking we'll start on small hills. Yeah. And because, I mean, you're not going to let me use yours. Oh, I'm going to use mine. <laughs> Last year, you weren't <laughs> even going to use it. I'm not bringing it on a hill, you said. Well, no, but I was thinking along the lines of on a, on the sand dunes. Oh, no, no. We're talking. The we're sand talking, dunes would just wear it down. Yeah, but we were talking about the uh, races last year. 
The downhill oh, snow races. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching those. So I'm looking for a donation of a non-seaworthy playboat <laughs> or small small kayak. Um, not only will I take it off your hands, I will let you hold my beer when I say, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> I'm thinking we're going to make this into a contest of some sort. <laughs> Donate a playboat to the cause. You get to come along and watch it in action. Uh, if anything's like when I was a kid, you're going to get the opportunity to help build snow jumps. And if things don't go as planned, you'll get the opportunity to haul my butt to the hospital. Uh, and as an added bonus, you'll get to watch Derek try to explain to my wife what happened and why he allowed me to do something so stupid. <laughs> Enter now. <laughs> this could be fun. Uh, yeah, so I'm just, I was actually uh, on Kijiji and I can, I know where I can pick one up for about 200 bucks. Yeah. Something with hard chines, something mm-hmm. with a, a sharper edge to it. And so you can kind of lean into yeah, the yeah. curve. That's what I was looking at. Was, yeah. there's, there's a couple I'm, I'm looking at right now, but 200 bucks, I'm thinking. Somebody's got to have one they're looking just to dump to the dumpster. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me know. <laughs> uh, Doesn't have to be buoyant. You just yeah. <laughs> I, well, like I say, on the uh, the video I posted on our Facebook page, Paddling Adventure Radio Facebook page, um, I said, like, hey, looking to do this. Everybody's got a, 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 a used kayak that they're looking to get rid of for free. Uh, let <laughs> me know. And I've had a few people that want to join in. They've got their yeah. own kayaks. Let's go. So, yeah, I'm going to have this giant group. <laughs> I'm going to haul this giant group down to the hill, and I'm going to be the one without the kayak. <laughs> Wait a minute. That was my idea. Where's my boat. The heck? So, yeah. So, uh, enter now. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's going to be our, our fun uh, winter activity, because I know there's a place just around the corner from my house, the old Rod and Gun Club, up, uh, up Ravenscroft. Okay, yeah. And there's a nice little hill there. It'd be a great one to start at. It's it's steep enough. Get a few bullet holes. Get yeah, yeah well, whatever. Yeah. Let me, to teach you to turn really fast. But they have they have an indoor range, right? Yeah, yeah. So it'd be safe. Yeah. Do you have enough snow on the ground right now to do this? Not yet. It's it's starting uh, to melt. Yeah, you could. It's patchy. You could, but yeah, there there'd be there'd be quick stop spots. Because <laughs> I'm going to be there in like ten days, and I would love to see this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I assume you're going to join wow. us. Yeah. Did you bring a kayak with you? No, oh. no. We'll take turns. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll all use Derek's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's going to be our adventure for this winter. Is the uh, besides the the regular um, winter camping and stuff like that, we're 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 getting we're going to get into this winter downhill kayaking. That's going to be our thing now. We're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna get our own Except- groups. Over Set here. up some slalom races with it. Yeah, would be awesome. I yeah. think we'll be great. Well, they have the Niagara Falls. Uh, what's that thing they do in the skates? Downhill skate, crash and burn or whatever. They get the guys on the skates going down the ice. Crashed ice. Is that crashed ice? Are you talking to the? Uh, they're in full gear and they do the uh, the Red Bull uh, run down this uh, in slalom. hockey skate sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, called yeah. crashed ice. Crash it's a ice? Red Bull crashed ice. Uh, it's very popular in Quebec. It's uh, I think the tournament is in Montreal this year. It was in Quebec City last year. Anyways, they do they do it and it's very popular. Well, I know there's one in, in Niagara Quebec. Falls. So yeah, they're, they're expanding. There's a couple of places they do it in the states, but the major tournaments have usually been in Quebec. So if we go to Quebec, 
it th- with it's, the kayaks. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm heading up there um, in two days, so. And then get the added bonus, and you'll watch Derek try to explain to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a wicked course. Like it's yeah. uh, it can be very dangerous. Yeah, I was watching on TV. I just couldn't remember the name. Like of there's it, huge drop offs. Yeah. Like yeah. there's loop de loos or not loop de loos. There's uh you know these hills and hill yeah, jumps and, things and jumps and drop offs yeah. and and it's like it's it's insane when you watch them yeah. do it. It's like I would not survive that. Yeah, <laughs> well, you probably wouldn't. But hey. I was having fun up until I wasn't. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I flew right off the course. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. We'll we'll update you as this um <clears throat> thing goes goes on. Uh What else we got here? Oh. Uh do John Connectney. I want to shake that man's hand. So, John Connectney is a teacher in Ontario here. He teaches in the, the regular years, he teaches out of Whitby, which is just on the road from us. And then he teaches summer school in Ottawa. So for years, when he does his yearly move from Whitby to Ottawa, uh, the government Canada, when he's doing his taxes, say, yeah, you can claim your travel expenses. And then all of a sudden they said, well, you can't do that. This is a, what the, ju- the judge said it was like a working holiday. So you can't claim it. Mm-hmm. He says, well, I've always claimed it. You guys have always allowed this. It's yeah. a moving. I moved there for the summer to teach school. Yeah. It's moving for my job. And she was like 1400 bucks, he claims. Yeah. So yeah, it's like summer, his summer job and his, his school seasonal job. Yeah. So Makes the, sense the to ju- me. The judge said that this, this teacher who's doing a summer school, that was like a holiday? Yeah. Yeah, he says he's, you can't claim a move. He's clearly never taught. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's well, clearly never taught a summer yeah. school session. <laughs> well, a lawyer suggested his attempts to seek reimbursement were nearly treasonous. Yes. So this uh, this teacher said, you know what? I'm I, taking this to court. Challenge accepted. Unfortunately, <laughs> they said uh, no. And not only did he lose his, the you know, the, the case over the 1400 bucks. But it also cost him three thousand dollars mm. in court fees, and uh, the judge offered some guidance. He said, mm-hmm. "He says each time he moved, he should update his driver's license and banking information, and take out a magazine subscription to solidify his status of his residency." Oh my God! Okie dokie. <laughs> then the justice challenged him. He said. Could you move in a canoe? To which Konechny says, uh, I probably could. And he, he said, well, why don't I show him? So Konechny uh, spent hours in law libraries researching precedents, setting taxation decisions. And in 2018, he set out to test the limits of the Income Tax Act by moving from Whitby to Ottawa in a canoe, put all his, put, put a bunch of gear and stuff in the canoe and paddled up through the canal up into Ottawa. Uh, he brought along a bicycle, small trailer capable of towing his craft when waters became too rough. And he also had, uh, what he had, he had a cooler to keep his insulin. I guess he's a diabetic or something, his food and insulin cool. 
So yeah, uh, he collected admission fee receipts for provincial parks, which he stayed in, up and the money for you know the canals and or uh, the, the locks and everything that he had to do. And so this fellow did something slightly unusual in the selection of mode of transportation, said Vern Krishna, a University of Ottawa tax law professor, who wasn't surprised to see the CRA accept the expense claims. <laughs> so <laughs> he's doing the exact same thing a person who's going across the country in an automobile. He's just doing it on the cheap. In wow. the end, he submitted a, a tax claim for a thousand bucks and... They said, uh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the Income Tax Act doesn't specify what kinds of vehicles are accepted for a move. <laughs> so his move was documented. And, and that's yeah. what was made the difference this time is, is he actually documented the move. Right. And so they were forced to accept it. His research suggests he may be the first person to have successfully claimed expensive for a move in canoe since the Income Tax Act underwent a major rewrite in 1972. Wow. He's already trying to plan his next relocation, and some friends suggested a really good move would be via dog sled. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted. So, yeah. So, hot diggity dog for canoes. There's a new one for the canoes, man. Uh, yeah, that's... You know what? If there's some something to be uh, challenged out there, there's somebody going to challenge it, man. Yeah. And he did, yeah. so... This is beauty. Uh, it, I love, it was, when it I saw awesome. this story, I laughed so hard. Yeah, that was awesome, man. I want to shake that man's hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, backcountry.com update. And what do you call it, John? Woofer? Woofer. Woofer. We're going to talk woofer. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dark Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. So last week's show, we talked about backcountry.com and boycottbackcountry.com and all that sort of stuff. There was a big hullabaloo. If you want to know the complete story, go back and listen to last week's podcast. Uh, but if you have anything to do with the outdoors and the backcountry, TM, uh, then <laughs> <laughs> just covering myself, yeah. uh, <laughs> Uh, you know what, what we're talking about with the backcountry.com TM. Uh, <laughs> so last week, uh, there was a big, massive outcry on social media because backcountry.com has taken legal action, of, you know, against small companies that have the word backcountry TM. in their name. 
DM, yeah. Uh, this week, after all the big uproar, which they said, well, we didn't see that coming. Yeah, I know, mm-hmm. eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've issued an apology and dropped its lawsuit against Marquette Backcountry Skis. Now, Marquette was the one that stood up to them and say, uh, yeah, no, backcountry is a it's, word everybody uses. It's a common uses. use term, like yeah. mountain, stream, river. Yeah. Yes. You can't yeah. just put a put a trademark yeah. on that word. And Marquette Backcountry Skis, the guy in interview, he said, you know what? I'm willing to go bankrupt for this. Yeah. I'm going to fight this on principle. So there was a Facebook group that started up, boycottbackcountry.com. There was, uh, people started a, uh, not a Kickstarter, a fundraiser. Yes. Uh, thing like for. Like GoFundMe or something. A GoFu- GoFund, yeah. yeah, GoFundMe, uh, to help, um, uh, Marquette fight this yes. and stuff yeah. like that. So all of a sudden, after all of this, they draw, you know, backcountry.com's CEO, Jonathan Nielsen said, uh, you know what? We messed up. And we need to, to fix this. We're, we're dropping the lawsuit against him. But there's like 50 other lawsuits. That he still hasn't dropped. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's it's trademark infringement lawsuits. Yeah. You know, the same sort of thing. That they haven't, they're, they're still up in the air. Yeah. Right. They haven't been dropped. But it's, it's sort of like he's skirting the issue on those ones. And I don't know why he hasn't openly said he's, he's dropping all of them. Yeah. So he says, we messed this up and we are sorry for that. The important thing for us to do is show some action. We want that action to focus on community. We want to learn from what we did and learn what we can do better going forward. And the first thing that they did was they fired all their lawyers and their legal advisors, which is okay. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. But people are thinking, yeah. It seems hollow. It does. It really does. People aren't yeah. aren't uh, believing that they're going to change their ways, as it were. Yeah. And I think the people involved, like the people who are watching this are, of course, there's a lot of bandwagon people. People just want to get along for the ride, say, hey, this is, seems like it's fun. But there's a lot, also a lot of other people who realize, you know, there's so many retailers out there like REI and so on in the States that it's, it's too easy just to say, you know what, it's, there's, there's gear available er- everywhere. Mm-hmm. We can go and start hitting up the mom and pop shops and start supporting the local mom and pop shops. Yep. So we don't need to support. And, and the, the, the way that backcountry.com is, uh, uh, is harassing their fellow backcountry TM. <laughs> so, the, but the way they're abusing the entire industry, but over a word that's as common as lake, river, stream, mountain, whatever, it's it just is unreasonable. And so, I think a lot of people are saying, you know what, I'm going to sit back in the back seat. I'm going to watch what happens. I'm not going to make any decisions, and uh, but I'm also not going to buy anything from these suckers until. Uh, until this all, until the dust settles. Yeah. And right? see, I've never been one for online buying anyway. So, uh-huh. I mean, at the end of the day, from my perspective, it doesn't affect, it really doesn't affect me. Exactly. Per yeah. se. Yeah. But it's it principle. affects me. Yeah. Uh, for, from the principle. Why are you doing this to the little guy? Yeah. Why are you yeah. doing this to the mom and pops who yeah. are just trying to, like we said last week, they're just trying to hopefully make their business last through the year. And when you talk about trademark infringement, some of the people that he's, or his, the 
company has uh, i say him but it's the he's the, the main driver he's yeah. the ceo he's yeah. he's he's leading the charge so some of the ones that he has sued it doesn't make sense because there's no clear infringement so for example he doesn't have a coffee company so this little mom and pop coffee thing that makes a couple thousand dollars a year it's like uh, how are they infringing on backcountry mm-hmm. right so in some of the cases it doesn't really make sense and some of the bigger ones some of the bigger corporations that have backcountry in their name he hasn't sued. So it's clear that they were trying to rattle the industry. They were trying to get enough settlements under the belt so that they could move forward with a stronger case against the bigger guys, right? So he's... There was strategy involved. It wasn't accidental. It was on purpose. And I think there's a lot of dust to settle before this really clears up. And and, uh, I, I think myself, like... Obviously, I have no stake in the game. It's it, This is an American company. They don't ship to Canada anyways. A lot of the stuff that they do sell is, are, are not shippable cross-border. But I'm still observing. I'm still watching, and I still have an opinion. Well, what he's done well, now to start... I, sorry, go ahead. Was that, John? No, I was just, just going to say that I do have a stake in the game. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 I have in the past. See, I live in a small town, so a lot of the... You know, a lot of the conversations about buy local and, you know, support the mom and pop shop and those kinds of things. For where I live, you may get lucky depending on what, you know, what you're talking about. And there is one outdoor store that, that we support in town, where in the town where I live. But a, a lot of the things that we buy ends up being online. Right. And I, I have ordered from Backcountry in the past. And I will just, I don't care what he does at this point done there are too many other good companies out there exactly to order from that that haven't done this kind of thing you know and, and that's that's what a lot of people are doing now yeah yeah they, they, I, I i honestly i hope you know for the people that are involved those 50 companies or whatever i really hope that they drop all of these you know i mean these are frivolous lawsuits yeah. really so i hope that they you know they'll drop those but from my standpoint, there are other companies out there I'll go with. Right. This is, you know, yeah, it's too much. Well, it's they they've reached out to Marquette Backcountry ski owner David Olilia, and he they've invited him to sell his products on backcountry.com. He doesn't make enough product to sell on Backcountry. Well, so <laughs> Backcountry.com will be making donations to a pair of Michigan nonprofits that Olilia is affiliated with. And no, uh, Olilia and Nielsen aren't disclosing the amount of the donations. Yeah. And he's also uh, making rep- going to make reparations beyond Marquette. He says they're going to be making calls to each company on the receiving end of legal action, either cease and desist litters or petitions to U.S. Patent and Trade Office to cancel their trademarks. And they're going to work on on behalf, on their behalf and take full responsibility for their actions. Okay, whatever. Um, he says, Backcountry.com wanted to reach out principle to principle to apologize and handle each on a case-by-case basis starting immediately. It doesn't mean... You can't just drop everything and then contact them. He declined to specify whether that means the petitions will be dropped. There you (laughs) go. 
right? So, yeah, we're going to reach out to them and, uh, well, you know, we're not going to drop the petition. We're right. still going to rattle some yeah, cages. Yeah. So, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah, being sketchy. And right there, when, when you were refusing to say, yeah, we're dropping the petitions against them, mm-hmm. you know, or saying, you know, yeah, we're, we're dropping them against most, because maybe there are a couple that are whatever against them or something, whatever. Right there, you're being sketchy. Yeah, yes. and you lose all credibility right there. You're not being fully honest. You're, you, there's still some stuff going on in the background, and it's very clear by the wording that he uses and his actions that he's yeah. he's not being honest. He's not being open and and clear and transparent. Yeah, it it's really a you know it's, and again I've been sort of busy with some other stuff. So when all of this has come up, kind of, and I've I've only gotten little bits and pieces of this, but it, it is, I look at when I purchase something as best I can, and again, in a rural area, it is, it is really difficult to do. Look at the company, um, see what they're doing. Who do I give my money to, right? How do they act? Are they a good corporate citizen? And there, you know, you hear this and you're just kind of like, what, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, there are, there are a couple of, whose names I will not use. <laughs> there are a couple of very big uh, charitable foundations in the United States that uh, run, I'm, I'm, part, I'm, I'm being very careful with my words here, um, <laughs> that um, are involved with veterans, and there's another one that's involved oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in a form of cancer, mm-hmm. and they have done the same thing with small 501c3s, which is the the nonprofit designation here in the States. And they have spent so much money on suing these other organizations that you're you're just kind of baffled by, you know, you're you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, this is an organization where they're and and I I apologize to anyone listening. <laughs> But where there's an attorney in charge versus versus someone working on the charitable aspect. Yes. You know? And and when that happens, I mean, that can lead to some your your focus becomes the law and trademarks and disputes rather than your actual mission and goals. I've worked for a company where that happened and it's 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 very frustrating. Yeah. It is unfortunate that the way this whole thing is, uh, has panned out and it, like, a, I'm surprised in a, in a, a little bit that this has been, I, I think the first lawsuits were lodged back in 2016, late 2016, early 2017. Yeah. So it, it took a while for the groundswell for the, for the actions to really come to the surface and for the public to become aware of it. I'm not sure what the, I think it was Marquette backcountry skis that really started that really threw the windows open on this whole incident, right? A lot of the small mama pops, they just kind of, they folded. They said, we can't even afford to fight this guy. We, you know, we, we have minimal profits and any, just rebranding almost broke the bank. Some of them like just, just rebranding, trying to come up with a different name under the backcountry, then it was almost insurmountable, right? So they had to, they already had to deal with lawyers. So there was that expense. Then they, the costs of rebranding. So it's, I don't know. I'm not sure why this was so hidden in the background until I think it really blew up about three weeks ago. Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. It was just around Halloween. Yep. 
So Marquette Backcountry Skis, is that as in Marquette, Michigan? Is it from the town Marquette, do you yes. know? Yes. You know what? This makes me even angrier then because Marquette is like one of the coolest places you'll ever go. It has, it has uh, the universities there, and it has just the coolest vibe. It's like a, you know, a northern Midwest uh, college town. It's, it's alternative. It's outdoors. It's hunting, fishing. It's, you know, like all of these things that mix together. And it's such a cool place. And to hear that that's where they're taking this fight to actually makes me even, even angrier. Well, you're one of at least uh, 21,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yep. the, this, the social media group, uh, back, boycottbackcountry.com was on Facebook. More than 21,000 members. And yeah, a lot of the, the criticism centered on the perceived bullying of the small companies that couldn't afford to fight back. Backcountry Nitro Coffee, Backcountry Denim, uh, Backcountry Pursuit, all of which have changed their names under the pressure from backcountry.com. Unbelievable. Yeah. Other sources of anger from social media, the idea that a brand is trying to hoard the use of a word so core to outdoor enthusiasts and the increasing dominance of large e-tailers like backcountry.com at the expense of locally owned independent businesses. And I think that's part of the part of the deal as well. You got to start looking at is all these big like box stores. They're forcing out all the small ones. And that, yeah. I think that's that's been coming for a long time. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing. So after they released their, oh, we're so sorry. We didn't see this backlash coming. I guess we, you know, we, we, we didn't really think this through, blah, 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 whatever. The Facebook group added another 8,000 people. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, many calling the apology transactional and pointing out that backcountry.com still had open legal actions against dozens of other companies, which they do. And like I say, they're reaching out one by one, but won't say that they're actually dropping the, the, their, their, um, legal actions. Hmm. So they, they, they talked to John Miller one of the moderators is boycottbackcountry.com. And basically he's saying what a lot of people are saying. We need proof that they're making amends with more than just Marquette backcountry. Right. And one of the big things that they're talking about is these, these companies like backcountry nitro coffee, backcountry denim, uh, backcountry pursuit that all had to spend money with lawyers rebranding. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the girl from Backcountry Nitro Coffee almost went bankrupt. Like yeah. this was her dream was to make yeah. her her company and they trashed it on her. Yeah. And is, they yeah. need to make that right. No, she did, she almost went bankrupt. She isn't actually bankrupt. No, no, right? she no, she almost went almost, bankrupt. Yeah. She had enough to to rebrand it as Barn oh, something something Barn yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's See, and again, I've been sort of the last, you know, I mean, it's kind of been crazy lately. And I, I just heard about this tangentially. This is like getting me really angry as we're sitting here talking. Like the more you guys talk about this, the, the more angry I'm getting about it. This is insane. It Well, you know what, dude? Like everybody's saying that. Like, how can you yeah. do this? Yeah. How can you're, you're putting mom and pops out of business. You're, you're putting young people who have... You know, they, they've raised their money through Kickstarters or what, whatever, you know, gone to the bank, mortgaged their houses and said, you know what, right. 
I, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I, yep. I, I want to make a small company that's, you know, I, I can work. They're, they're not as, as much as everybody would love their small company to make it into like the Walmart range of businesses. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen. Right. But you want right. to make enough money to make yourself a living and do something you enjoy. And then you get some big bully on the street to walk down and slap you down like that. Mm-hmm. There is no room in anybody's time for that. Yeah. No one has time for that. I mean, most businesses fail between three and five years. Yeah. And and the biggest reason is because they're undercapitalized, right? They don't have the money to really start what they're trying to do. But they're trying to do it because they love it, because they yeah. feel it's important, whatever it might be. And so you have absolutely no cash to take care of, to defend something like no. this. Oh, exactly. And lawyers aren't cheap. Trademark <laughs> lawyers and all that. I know. Something pointless like this. That's the yeah. other piece of it, right? I mean, that that's the... Ugh, my, my blood pressure is up now, gentlemen. Yeah, backcountry.com <laughs> needs to take all, all of their expenses that they put and give them that money back. Yes, yeah, exactly. So this, yeah. It costs you $15,000, here's 15000 It costs you $40,000, here's $40,000. Yeah. Well, Backcountry Absolutely. has like $5 billion in cash Yeah, their, their main parent company yeah. has like $5 billion bucks in their coffers sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Yeah break into it a bit and Fix, help these guys yeah. out. And you know what? It's it'll, a drop it'll, in the bucket. It'll help heal the wounds, right? Yeah. And people might start to drift back to backcountry if they prove that they're an honorable company. But the number of people posting pictures of them peeling the goat stickers off yes, of everything yes. yeah. is, is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, cool. this has not happened before. I mean, this kind of outrage and, and making a massive company like this back down, this has mm-hmm. not happened. That's so, cool. It could be a start of something, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're backcountry stuff. You know, we're, we're in the outdoors. But, I mean, you get all these people that are into cars or all these people are into, I don't know, hang gliding and bungee jumping, whatever. If the same thing happens with them and they all get up on their social media and do the same thing, the people have spoken. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, we, we all stood up and we said, this is not right. And yeah. now, now they're backing down going, ooh, yeah. Black <laughs> Friday this year is not going to be good I'm for curious us. curious what's going to happen. I bet you it's going to be a slow Cyber Monday for them. I hope so. I really hope so. They need to learn a lesson of yeah. what's right and wrong, right? Yeah. The, and it, really what it comes down to is they tried to patent, trademark a common term. Yeah. Which yeah. is silly. Yeah. 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 I think what we really need here is a like a fight club response to this. Yeah. yeah. Well, we would. We'd, we'd tell everybody about it, but you know the but first rule of fight club. You don't talk about fight club. Right. Yeah. So there may be a fight club, but we just can't talk about it. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> anybody is. That's, um, I, I saw a picture um, with everything's pumpkin spice around Halloween. Oh. Yeah. And somebody posted a picture. Look, pumpkin spice macaroni. Right, craft oh, dinner. I saw that. And I said, if anybody puts, if anybody comes out for for real with pumpkin spice I'm craft dinner, it. be I'm awesome. going to fight everybody. No, it'll be good. It'll be awesome. <laughs> just going to fight everybody. <laughs> <laughs> There's just some things you don't mess with. Craft dinner is one of them, buddy. <laughs> don't mess Go with on. my cheesy macaroni <laughs> and my bologna walked sandwiches. Of, walked on the aisle of the grocery store and Sean is standing guarding. Yeah, guarding the macaroni. <laughs> what are you doing with this? Well, I was going to add 
pumpkin spice. Bam! You're <laughs> <laughs> Flattened him, your officer. Yeah. You had it coming, officer. Yeah. <laughs> he had pumpkin spice in his hand. He was picking up some craft dinner. I had to stop it. <laughs> or it got out of hand. It's a pile of bodies. Just <laughs> <laughs> Protector of the macaroni. That's me, buddy. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that's that's an update on the backcountry.com. <laughs> In-depth update. Yeah. We 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 ended up with bodies in the grocery store. Started with backcountry.com and then ended up with bodies in the grocery store. Hey, things happen, man. Things happen. <laughs> things got weird. <laughs> so, woofer. What is woofer? woofer? Yes. Woofer. It has nothing to do with dogs. Or speakers. No. Yeah. Wilderness First Responder. WFR. WFR, yeah. Uh, most people refer to it as a woofer. A woofer. Yeah. Awesome. So this this is the um, certificate that people get. A, a lot of, for example, guides have to have a woofer certificate uh, that teaches them. The woofer course teaches you how to do certain procedures and follow certain protocols in the backcountry. Uh, and they and they'll kind of delineate it when you're a couple of hours away from getting help. So um, they train you to do certain things uh, out in the field. And if somebody has a problem, you're there to you're there to help them. Okay. And you decided you would participate in one of these courses. Yeah. So there was a wilderness medical associate. A lot, all the the big companies teach this, right? So wilderness medical associates, uh, Knowles, uh, was it Solo? You know, a lot of different companies will will have these uh, training certificates, right? And um, and so yeah, so I decided that it would be a good thing for me to take, uh, given how much time I'm out, um, and particularly out alone, right? But also just. Just the, you know, the thing of if you come upon somebody and they're hurting, what can you do to help? Right. And so I am in, well, I was um, over in Freeport, Maine, and I took uh, a five-day woofer course. Wow. Which had a, let's see, what was it, a 30, 25 to 32-hour pre-work and pre-test before you could actually get into the course out here. So you got to so, take a test in order to participate. To get, yeah. Yeah. You have to pass the test. And, and, um, and so it's, it's a kind of a different animal. Most of these are eight days. And then this is one to try it. So people can work on stuff at home, you know, and if, you know, you got a family or a job where you can't get away as easily. That's what this five day program was set up for. Right. It's intense. <laughs> I, I'm still sort of, I, I, I still haven't had like a full good night's sleep since oh, I started. Yeah? yeah, yeah, totally. It's really intense. Uh, you go out there and, you know, you've done all of the pre-work, but then you get out there and they set up, you, you do a lot of stuff with scenarios. And so, you know, the instructors will say, okay, well, there was a big ice climbing accident where there was a boat explosion out at sea, and uh, one of my favorites was there was a mine cave in up near Dawson City in the Yukon. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and uh, so then you have to you go down to the scene of this accident and you work on injuries that you might encounter with something like that. 
Like, well, that's cool. like somebody folding a table under their finger and cutting it wide open or something like that. <laughs> something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, and then they have these rodeos where you, like, you have stations. The class was 20 people. And so they would, they would uh, set it up between patients and, you know, um, woofers. And so then you would rotate around these 10 stations. These were actually really fun because you'd only get a few minutes to try to figure out what was going on with each patient. Right. And so you, if you were the patient, you played a role. These are my symptoms. These are, you know, and some people really get into these. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty great, but it was, it was super intense. How many limbs did you amputate? Um, <laughs> none. No, no <laughs> Um, but I did have, you know, it was funny because we were walking down the, one of the big ones was this, uh, a boat explodes off the coast. These people wash ashore and they tell us what this is. And they have all of these different people down there and we're walking down and my, so I'm the primary, one of the primary caregivers on this one, the primary whoopers. And you have a secondary with you to kind of assist, take notes. And, uh, you know, as you're going through. And so we're walking down there, and my secondary was a guy named uh, Mikola from, and he was from the Ukraine. And I said, okay, this time we're going to look for somebody who's conscious because I have had all these things where people are unconscious. I want to get something <laughs> nice and easy this time, you know. So we walk down to the thing, and there's a guy laying on the ground. He's in a really awkward position. His face is made up with, it's all battered and bruised with makeup. And everybody just kind of splits and goes different ways. <laughs> and Run away! Yeah, and it's and it's uh, the guy on the ground's name is Alex, and we're like, oh crap! All right, let's go take care of Alex. And of course, we lose Alex during the course of this. Um, but but what happens is, which is kind of funny, is we're Wait, starting you, you to lose him. Like he What's wandered, that? wandered you away. Lose him? He wandered we, away or passed away. He, he died. Okay. <laughs> how'd, how'd you lose uh, him? <laughs> yeah. He, uh, no, so it was it was one of those things where you're kind of like, okay, we're working on him, we're taking vitals, we're doing all of these things. And then we hear up kind of on the hill just above us, this guy's like, help, help. Well, there was a guy up there that everyone had missed. Oh. Mikola looks at me, he's like, I gotta go. I'm like, okay, go. Well, he grabs my he grabs my bag of all my medical gear and he takes off. I'm like, hey, wait, <laughs> I need the gear. Um, and he goes up and he's helping him. In the meantime, my patient just keeps, you know, going, dropping down and dropping down, dropping down, and and it is it is remarkably intense because you you want to do these things right, right? You want to be able to make sure that someone will be okay. But at the same time, they've instructed him. So you you take his vitals, and then you take his vitals a second time, and he says, "It's uh, pulse is weaker, blood pressure right. is reducing, yada yada right. yada." And so then you kind of you know start going through those things, and and what we ended up happening was they had they brought over some other people while because I, I was working on him by myself for a long time. They brought over some other people, and so now we had a team of like five or six trying to. He's he's gone unresponsive. You're like, oh man. And so we're working on him, and the instructor comes over and he says, Okay, we need to take five for a second here. He says, We've got this gentleman over here who I think we can probably save. How is he looking here? 
because we've already started CPR now. Okay. And he's like, what is the, you know, what is the uh, percent of, or what is the probability that he's going to come around now? And uh, it's just like, you know, and you're, you're going like, it's pretty low. So you're, said, you're presented with a triage situation. It's like, okay, yes. you have people you could save and this guy is, right. is most likely not savable. Do you right. keep using your efforts and then you're going to lose two people or do you move on to you triage this guy uh, declare him as a a lost cause or unfortunately that's sometimes what you have to do in in a multiple injury situation and it's uh, you yep. hear about it often with uh, major car accidents or you know airplane crash in, in the tundra or something it's like well you can only save so many right and it was that was the thing and so you know at this point we're, uh, I'm working on, I've been working on Alex, you know, the entire time. Uh, another uh, woofer student came over, Drew, and she was helping me. And then, you know, the, all of these other people, it was like, okay, well, you can all go over and work with this other patient. We'll keep going here, you know, until, until he's called. We'll, yeah. we'll keep trying. Yeah. And so then eventually he was called, you know, and, and, but it's, it's, it's a it's an intense thing, you know, and and you're out there and you are cramming, you know, all of this information. I haven't had anatomy physiology in years. And so this course really it's different from like a you know, there's I will highly recommend that anyone listening to this go out and take the wilderness first aid. You know, and so it's like a two day program and will help you if anything happens you know, when you're out there, when, when people you love, or, you know, are with you, those are great, those are great courses to have. This one's a little bit more involved. It's, it's for people that are out there more. It's for people that are guiding, etc. you know, um, when the stakes are, you know, I don't want to say they're higher, but when probabilities are higher, maybe that's the way to say it. So when it comes to these types of courses, I'm curious because you don't, it, it's not like uh, when I go camping, I have a small first aid kit. It has uh, some typical stuff in it, some small bandages. I'm not going to be able to do anything major. Do they cover off what you could do in the event of a major injury? Like, you know, you you, you, you take a sleeping bag apart or you use something unusual for tourniquets. Or do they cover off stuff like that? Because it's not like you have a full gear kit at all times. It's right. uh, like, you know, it's as, as nice as it would be to think that everybody's going to have like an oh shit kit or something like that on hand. Mm -hmm. But most people won't have that if, and I would assume that anybody who has taken a woofer course or wilderness first aid would tend to probably take more than the average Joe for first aid and response stuff, right? But they must right. cover off equipment, right? To how they you do. can cannibalize your, your camping gear to save somebody's life yeah one of the cool um they did a you know a thing where you have to pull somebody out on a litter and so different people had different levels of uh you know something that by litter i mean that something that they can carry someone out on right okay you've got somebody that can't walk or whatever so you put them on on a litter and then you carry them out well our group went and i was really you know very happy to be in this group uh we got no litter and we got a bag of just gear and so we made a litter we made something to carry them using some some metal poles a canoe seat some life jackets strapped in between the poles huh? 
And we tied and duct taped this whole thing together till it was solid. Uh, and then we used, in, as, because it was cold, that was the other thing that was so cool about this, right? This was held in Freeport, Maine, and we were right down on, right down on the water. So it was cold. So you were out there for hours and, you know, so your patient would be out there for hours and, and not moving. And so you had to make be sure on them. Right. And you had to make sure that they were OK. So you would wrap them in sleeping bags. You would wrap up the litter. You And it, you, it was it was so cool because you had to improvise with things that you may have out in the field. It was awesome. Yeah, it's. um it's definitely something that you you don't think about taking when you first start going out into the backcountry, but the more and more you do it, you what? see what can happen. The backcountry TM. Um, Back <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he missed the TM that time. So, um, you, you don't think about it when you first start going backcountry camping and stuff like that, that, you know what? Yeah, things can happen. And then you start realizing what exactly could happen. And when yeah. something does happen, then you're just left with going, oh man, what are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, I mean, I was lucky enough when I was an air cadet, so I did the, um, um, air crew survival course. So basically they teach you, they teach you how to survive if your plane crashes in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And I learned a lot of the stuff, the first aid and stuff that through there. And that's really, really sticks with you. But if you've never been in that situation and you've never been taught anything like that and something all of a sudden big like that does happen, there's a lot of people that they don't know what to do. Exactly. Right? It's like panic sets in and you freeze. And yeah. and I guess that's why these courses that you're taking is it's so handy because it, it teaches you that I do have the tools to deal with this situation. I do have the brains and the wherewithal to actually respond and, and possibly save a life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and you think about it in that way, then it feels like, and so I, I passed the course, I passed the test, but now it's like when I get home, I'm going to go back through, and I was, I was talking with Jan, it's like kind of do regular study with this to make sure that I've really internalized this. Yes, right. It's, because the actually it feels like there's more pressure there now. And to be to make sure, and again, I live in a rural area, right? And so, you know, it's... I want to make sure that I can help if, if help, you know, if help is needed. Right. Well, um, and I, I mean, that's, that's the, the purpose of taking this course. Right. Is to make sure, I, I mean, you just got to keep up those skills and you got to think about them all the time and you know, you never know what's going to happen. I've been on a, a three week canoe trip where something happened second day mm-hmm. and you're just like, Ooh, do we all leave or can we continue on this exactly. three-week trip with... Can we abandon this person yeah. and get him on the way back through? With the... <laughs> <laughs> Do we leave him for the bears? Um, and no, I mean, you, you sit there and you know what? I've got the know-how. I've got the knowledge. So right. we're going to look after this. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a life-threatening thing. It's it's more... I mean, it could become one if you if you weren't on top of it and stuff like that. Yes. But uh, yeah, you know what? You take care of it because you've got the knowledge. You've got the training. And you're happy that you do have that training. And yeah. if, yeah, in other cases where if everybody's looking at it, maybe, you know what, our trip's done on the yes. second day. Yeah. So right. it's, it's yeah. nice to have that training where, yeah, you can, if something happens, step in mm-hmm. and you're at that point now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'm really glad I did it. 
Um, I think most people should do the two day, the wilderness first aid, because I think that would be outstanding. Right. But I'm really glad that I did this. Like I, I and going back too, there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure for a couple of reasons on here. One is, you know, I took this out at, at Freeport, Maine, right? So I drove across a good <laughs> good distance yeah. from you know from home in central Wisconsin to take it out there. And again, I'm really glad I did. It ups the pressure level, right? Right. Uh, you know, oh, well, I, I'm out all the way out here. There's the expense. There's, you know, and uh, I, I'm, it's one of those things where I'm just, I'm so happy. And, and going back, like the other thing, and I'll be really honest here, at, at someone of my advanced years, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't taken a course since I think I left grad school. Right. And so to go and take this in something that I've had no training in whatsoever. Yeah, the it was it was very stressful. Oh, yeah, it would definitely be. Yeah. I I but it again, absolutely worth it. My first night my it was, the really funny coincidence here was my Airbnb host in Freeport, Maine was a woofer. And she uh, so she would talk to me about these things, you know, and I came back the first night and I just had this deer in the headlights look and, uh, you know, she was kind of concerned. So she, you know, we sat down and talked about these things and it was kind of cool that that happened, you know? Right. But well, she mentioned, she mentioned the same thing too. Like now that she had the, the certificate, she's like, the pressure's on actually. The pressure is on that you live, you live up to that. You earn that. Right. What were the other people in the class like? Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, you didn't get a chance to, unfortunately, to talk with a lot of them because, the, the again, the five-day course is so intense that um, there was, in fact, there was one lady, her name was Anna, and she was, she's a farm educator, um, uh, like a, a farm trust in Maine. And so she takes kids into the outdoors and, and it was the thing of, hi, we've said hi a few times this week, but we've never really had a conversation, yeah. you know? And, um, I think most of them were probably twenties and thirties, uh, everything from, a there was a, a college student, 22 year old college student. I think the oldest student was 69. He was a retired, uh, teacher and respiratory therapist. Uh, his name was Chris, who incidentally was like the nicest guy in the world, right? Right. So when we did the boat explosion, you know, when when I lost my patient, that scenario, they made him the drunk sea captain, and he had to walk around on on the shore, annoying everybody and getting in everybody's way. And it was really funny because it was like, here's the last guy in the world that would be like this, right? Right. And, uh, <laughs> but. But it was a really cool group of people. A lot of people were taking it for to be able to guide. Right. A lot of guides are required to have the woofer cert. And you want them to, right? You want them to have more than just first aid training. Yeah. And then a lot of people had other reasons. So there was um, a lady named Lauren Farnsworth who was there, who is a scientist who spent like, I think it was something like six weeks on the ice sheet up in... Uh, in Greenland. Okay. And so, you know, so she's a, a research scientist. She's out in these really remote places. And it's like, yeah, this, this course is made for someone like this. Right. 
Um, it was it was a, a mix of just all kinds of different people. And so that was really cool. You know, people that were on ski patrol, um, you know, it, it could be anything. My favorite was a, a gentleman named Tim. Um, this is probably in, I'm going to guess, in his 40s. Uh, worked on environmental issues, like environmental legal issues, and he, uh, engineering, those kinds of things. Right. I said, why, why did you take the course? And he said, well, he said, my daughter has asthma, and I want to take her out on these longer canoe trips and such. And so I want to make sure she's going to be okay if I take her further and further out. Well, that's a good yeah. reason to take it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. like the best reason, right? I mean, that is that you know, it was just it was so cool, and and I found that out because in one scenario where I was a patient, it was an asthma, a severe asthma attack that led to anaphylaxis, and he had to go through and deal with that, and so during the course of this, you know, he was it was very personal for him, and that was that was cool, and he's like, yeah, I won't. There was one thing that he had gone through, and he didn't use a spacer with the inhaler. And, and with the change in propellants in, in asthma inhalers, that spacer has become really important these days. Right. And he had forgotten to use that, like during this scenario. And so now if he ever has an issue with his daughter out in the field, he won't forget that. No, not you know? at all. And, and so it's, yeah, it was cool. So you had just an amazing group of people, uh, again, mostly 20s and 30s and um, but just a really wide, you know, wide, uh, wide, uh, what do I want to say? How do I want to say this? Just, you know, this wide range of experiences and, Backgrounds. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like it, and it was amazing, you know, and, uh, we had gone out afterwards, a, a group of us went out to celebrate once we passed. And this was actually the first time, like, like I would say that when I had talked to the, uh, Anna who worked out at, you know, out at the farm. And uh, the first time I was actually able to talk to somebody because it was so intense. So we're there and we have a nice dinner and, and a few beverages. And L.L. Bean is right across the street from where we're, we're having this little party. And uh, so we, we're walking through L.L. Bean, uh, Alex and I, the, the guy who, who died on me on the, on the show <laughs> <of> the day. <laughs> Sorry and, for dying on you. <laughs> yeah. And so we're walking around there and he says, we just start, you know, chit-chatting about stuff. And he's like, yeah, I, I spent, I, it's like his formative years. Like, he grew up in Korea. You're like, wait, what? You know, it's like you just didn't get the chance. It was so intense. You didn't get a chance to pick up those things. Right. So have these little conversations. And you're like, man, I'd love to be able to, you know, all of these people were, were really cool, you know. So you really enjoyed it and you would definitely recommend it to outdoors people. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially for people that are take, taking longer trips and stuff. Absolutely. Especially those people, right? So, you know, and, and a lot of this, I'm thinking Yukon Journey, uh, you know, version 2.0, right? Right. When I'm up spot. there. And, and yeah, and so, and <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I'm going through the textbook in advance of this, right? And I'm doing all the pre-certification work that you have to do before the tests. And I'm I'm going through there, and it's funny. So I'm looking at this, I'm going like, Oh, yep. I'll die if I get that. Oh, appendicitis. <laughs> yep, I'll die if I get that. <laughs> um, but, you know, those are the rare things, right? I mean, there's um, a lot of the stuff you look at and you say, okay, 
even if this is something I can't take care of in the field, I really know what the signs are now. And if I'm out there, if it's a situation where I'm out there on a solo trip, you know, in the middle of the boonies, um, I'll know exactly what I need to radio back uh, to get the right help. And, right. and, you know, and so that's, that's huge. But if, if this Yukon journey version 2.0 is a multi paddler, uh, event again, I'm, you know, I'm good. We're, we're good with that. You know, you've, you've got somebody, if something happens, you've got somebody on, on the trip that can yeah, take care of it. We can take care of it. Yeah. We'll, we'll make sure our, our people are okay. That's awesome, man. Now, mm. the one question I had for you, which yeah. you didn't ask. <laughs> I'm not sure what question this would be. Oh, you're not John. sure what this question is be. So, no, no. so John, tell me. Yes. <laughs> if you came across somebody that had been attacked by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the bear decided, while you were helping this person, to come back. What are you <laughs> going to do? Do you save yourself or do you try to save the injured person? Oh, Sean, 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 Or do you throw the injured person at the bear and run? <laughs> if I recall correctly, that was your suggestion. Wow. Well, because <laughs> you picked the guy up and beat the bear with the guy. <laughs> These are things we want to know. I can't believe they didn't teach this. <laughs> These are important real life scenarios. Yeah. If the bear is coming back, do I throw the patient at the bear and make a run for it? <laughs> that, that man is now food. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, we've always said if we're ever chased by a bear, you've only got to outrun one other guy. <laughs> exactly. And at That's this right. point, it's your patient, my friend. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, John and I had a conversation. He's, he, we had, um, on uh, Facebook Messenger there, he was telling me, like, man, this thing is so intense and, like, you know, there, there's all this stuff going on and all this stuff going on. You can just feel how tense John was trying to think about everything that he was learning and stuff like that. And he says, yeah, his, his instructor really, I don't think my instructor's got a really good sense of humor. And I'm like, well, ask him this question. So, <laughs> if I'm out there. <laughs> yeah, John wouldn't ask the question. Chicken. The instructor, had a, he did have a really good sense of humor, but um, his his name is Eric Duffy. He's a, a registered nurse, and he's he has all of this great experience. Um, Sarah Edelberg was the um, the secondary instructor as well with this. I, I know they have different terms with it, but they were both awesome. Um, but, yeah, there was at one point where, you know, when you're doing these scenarios, you're supposed to be in character, right? Right. And at the point where I'm working on Alex, Drew and I are working on Alex. We're, we're CPR until the end. And everyone else leaves. And I look down at Alex and I say, you had better remember this when we're at the bar because you owe the two of us a drink. <laughs> <laughs> that did not go over well with the instructor. <laughs> I saved and your like, life. You owe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, stay in character, people. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, but it, it was that thing of, um, you know, that thing of stress relief, really. Yeah. You, you know, because it's just like, I'm taking this, you know, I, from the outside to him, it probably looked like I was just dicking around, right? 
but I'm taking this super serious. I've been taking this the whole week, you know, and, and, and really stressed. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of like, this is stress release is what this is. And yeah. so I, I, I actually, I did apologize to him later. I said, look, I wasn't trying to undercut what you're doing out there, you know, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was intense, you know, uh, we've but, done that at first aid training at work. When we, we do that and you do the, uh, they're teaching you CPR on the CPR dummies. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, now you, you, you do, show us how you do the, you know, tilt the head back and punch the nostrils and, you know, do see, you do the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And you get the people going, hey, baby. <laughs> and you're like, really? Always <laughs> <laughs> the old one, oh, I dropped my gum. <laughs> yeah, you know what, you're, you're taking it seriously, but there's a little bit of uh, uh, humor you know, to get yourself through the stress and whatnot. And so, I mean, some people do that, man. You, you gotta, you gotta laugh and, and, yeah. and that, get, that gets well, the, you through the stress. The good thing was that, that Alex did in fact buy me several drinks afterwards. So, you know, <laughs> he, it worked. he appreciated that I hung in there, you know, yeah. I'm not leaving you, man. Yeah. <laughs> as long as there's alcohol involved, I am not no. leaving you. <laughs> I will drag your carcass to that bar. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll go through your pockets, find your wallet, <laughs> prop you up on that stool. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was cool, you know, and it was one of those things where, you know, you look at it from, from all these different standpoints and, you know, you're like the, the, the course, you know, what you learned. I mean, I can do things outside of a, like a two hour transport window. Right. Right. That's, that some EMTs aren't covered to to care for. Like open heart surgery? If, pardon me? Like open heart surgery? Yeah. Well, they told me how to use like a cat food can to do heart surgery. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, no. Next what? week's YouTube <laughs> video will be showing John doing heart <laughs> surgery on Derek. <laughs> no, but there are, you know, like certain, like... Um, you know, a lot of places won't allow you to reset a dislocated shoulder, for example. What do you mean won't allow you? And, uh, well, there are certain protocols that, that EMTs, paramedics and, and different, you know, different health professionals can provide. Not everybody can do everything, right? They say, this is your pay grade. These are the okay. things that you can do. And because and, of the damage uh, that you could possibly do resetting a dislocated shoulder... Right. It's too much to take the risk for. But in the backcountry, if you want this person to be mobile, you got to reset that shoulder. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and so you, you find out what those are and, and (laughs) they're on the ice climbing scenario. I had one of these people that had a dislocated shoulder and I kind of pulled him aside and I'm going through and I'm, I'm working on this technique with him and I'm, you know, and what I didn't know was that the, the instructor had told Brian, who was the patient, he said, if he doesn't get a good medical history from you, and if he doesn't realize that this has happened from a, what's like a direct impact dislocation, right? This didn't, this didn't occur to you from like a brace and paddling, right? Where it just pops out, but this is the result of a really violent hit. And it might be, you know, there might be some things messed up in there. He said, if he doesn't catch that, scream like bloody murder. 
And that's what Brian did. Oh. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, I will always be taking a really good history when I'm talking to people before treatment <laughs> about the difference between a direct and indirect dislocation. Um, <laughs> you know, but but again, that's that's the stuff that <laughs> you know, Eric came walking over, the instructor came walking over, he's like, so what's going on? He seems to be yelling a lot over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but something like that, if, if you're on a canoe trip, something like that could happen. Absolutely, That's very, yeah. right? You know. Yeah, yeah. You you brace wrong, and or or just you're bracing hard, right? In in big water, mm-hmm. that can happen very easily, and and that's that's the kind of injury too, an indirect like that, where once it happens, you know those rubber bands in there get stretched a little bit, yeah. so the next time it's easier, and the next time it's a lot easier, you know, and um, so you know, you're, you're able to pick up those things and, and know how some of these things work. And, you know, they cover splinting techniques and all of this. Yeah, it was great. It awesome. was great. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a good time regardless of how stressed, stressed it made you. Yeah, it was, you know, I mean, it was, you look at the end, the end result and, and absolutely worth it. And, and I, I sent out an email to like a number of the other class folks, you know, before we were going to talk tonight. And I just said, you know, what did you think about the course? What are you, you know, how do you feel if you're out solo or how do you feel if you're out in a group now? And, and guy named Luke, he's, uh, um, he's, he wanted to expand his wilderness skills, you know? And so he runs a Facebook group called Maine Hiking. He's, he likes to promote outdoor safety, really nice guy. And he says, you know, there, he, at this point, He's, he's confident that he could really help someone in need out there. Good. That's bottom line, right? That That's is the what you're looking line. for. Yeah. And I think everybody had that, that sense when they got done that they felt better about their ability to do that. Right. Good. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And hopefully you guys never have to use those skills. And that's a key. It's good to know the skills. Yeah. So you just don't want to have to use them. Before they gave us our card, in fact, uh, Sean, that's exactly what he said. He said, you're all certified woofers. Everyone in the class had passed. Everyone passed that. And that test, like that last test, is just like, whoa. <laughs> and while you're taking it, you know. Um, but he said, everybody passed. And I hope you never, ever have to use these things. Yeah. That's the you main know? thing. Yep. It's funny, too, though. He said, the other thing he said in class, though, before that was, he said, okay, you are all going to be, you know, certified woofers here. He said, and new woofers are magnets <laughs> for, <laughs> for bad things happening. <laughs> and uh, uh, one of our, uh, Nedra, who is one of our, our woofers, who was uh, taking the course to get on a ski team, came upon a really bad accident on her way home that night. Oh, wow. wow. And it was like, holy cow. And so she went and she talked to the to the accident victim and she, you know, uh, she felt so glad that she had taken this, but it was, you know, it was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. You never very, know, man. You just don't, right? Nope. You just, don't. well, and I, and I come from, I mean, my wife's a nurse and mm-hmm. I believe by law, if we come across something like that, she has to stop yeah. and, and we have stopped at different things and you're just like, you just stand back and. If she asks you to do something or whatever, you, you do it because that's what she's been trained to do. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. And it's, 
it's I think the other thing that was very cool about this was that it didn't just focus on this is a situation you find, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ways to prevent those situations, you know? And so that was one thing. Uh, there was a, a student in there named Haley. She's um, she's a college student now. But she hopefully, you know, she wants to go into, like, outdoor and environmental educator. Right. And so, you know, she was looking at this stuff, and it was also about avoiding, you know, avoiding these issues. And, um, you know, all I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I am... So happy that I took this, and I really suggest that people, you know, they get the at, at least get the first aid course in because you really need it if you're playing outside. Yeah. Well, um, I've 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 used my first aid training in in the backcountry, and really glad I took it. Yeah. And the and I'm gonna throw out a um a I guess a. a throw out props to L. Albina on this one too, which were, so there are host organizations that will work with these, you know, these different um, certificate providers. Right. And L. Albina, if you're, if you're looking at this, L. Albina's, it was held at their paddling center. So that was cool because it was down on the water. So you had those possible scenarios. They had this big outdoor facility. They had woods and, you know, sort of grass and outbuildings. And so you had all these possibilities for different scenarios and I think I mentioned it when we talk about this before, but you know these are expensive courses, right? The the Woofer certifi- uh, certification course is anywhere from six hundred to eight hundred dollars U.S. depending on where it is. Right. The cool thing with LL Bean offering this outside of this great facility was that you know when they have a like a holiday sale. The twenty-five percent off holiday sale also applies to the courses. I don't Ooh. know anybody else that does that. That's cool, because that's Very, a good chunk of money. Yes. That, yeah. Right. Well, that took that took care of my Airbnb. Oh, so, okay. so for me to drive out here is like okay. Well, it's a little bit of gas now. I can take the course. Um, I get to you know come to beautiful New Hampshire here for a few days. Now I'm going to go up to Quebec, and then I'm going to come down and I'm going to bother you guys. Um, on the way home. Oh, you're not a bother. Because <laughs> you stay with Derek. Yeah, he's mine. not sleeping in your basement. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you had a good time doing all that. And uh, as we say, hopefully you never have to use it. Yeah, exactly. Especially if we all trip together, right? Yeah. No, we just won't do it soon because apparently you're a magnet. <laughs> yes, yes. Derek's yeah. looking for a paddling partner like next week. <laughs> awesome. Um... Other than that, you got anything else, Derek? I've got nothing to add. John, Other you got anything else? I want to go home and go to bed. No, that's it. Yeah, Derek's past his milk and cookies time here tonight. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks for coming on, John. Uh, it, if you want, always find, a pleasure. Yeah, you know, if you want to find us, you know where to find us. Well, I, and I do, and I will be coming through soon. But Derek's wife told me that you know that that room downstairs that can no longer be used for visitors. <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> Because I don't have any cheese this trip. Oh. Oh. So Cheese John is not Cheese John. It's Liquor John this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John's got well, alcohol. Actually, you know, what it is, it's it's T-shirt John for your kids this time. Awesome. Oh, yeah. oh that, that'll make the wife happy that you're, <laughs> you're treating the kids nice. Uh, if you want to find more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. And if you go to the episode page on Paddling Adventures Radio, you can download or stream our episodes there. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. We do have stuff there. And we're still looking for more guest blogs. I've got one to put up. Uh, i got another one on the way. And uh, coming up, episode 200 is coming up. Oh, my. Middle wow. of December. Yeah. And I was talking to Kevin Callen, and he says, well, the only time I can't, because we said... He's on our first show. Yeah. He was on our 100th. He's going to be on our 200th. And so I just texted him and said, what have you done lately? <laughs> <laughs> what have you done for me lately? And he says, the only time we can't, because he's got a couple things, but he says, the only time I can't do it is this one particular weekend because I've got all our family coming. And he goes, that might be a good episode. I said, <laughs> oh yeah, a Callan Christmas. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> it's like one of those bad Hallmark specials. Yeah, Callan Christmas. <laughs> it's a merry Callan Christmas. That would so, make a good podcast. Yeah, so we're, we're, we might do that. We should just go crash his house. Yeah, there you go. When, when is everybody over? All right, we're showing up. Um, he made a comment about, yeah, Andy hasn't been back since we've been there. For four hours. <laughs> you know, he did mention that recording session too when I saw him out at the the Minnesota the camping symposium, the winter camping symposium. Yeah. He's like, Oh, oh my. Oh <laughs> ah, they had a great time. Who yeah. they kidding? It was good. <laughs> so uh John, thank you very much for coming on this week. We will see you in what, like ten days, you say? Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah. So yeah, pretty yeah, much. Man. Thanks again and We'll see you soon. Alrighty, Derek. Thanks for being here, buddy. Do I have a choice? Just, just so you know, we drank the last two beers tonight. Yes. So next week we will need more beer. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh man, I gotta go shopping for beer again. Awesome. Again. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley, and I'm Derek Spest. We'll see you next time.